Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. This podcast episode is about feeling bored in sobriety and what to do about it. There seems to be a common theme around what women worry about when they're about to quit drinking, some of the things they experience in early sobriety that may lead them to go back to drinking. And even once you've quit drinking, there is a time between when your life was filled with alcohol and with drinking events and with the connections that you made and had and the adventures that you had while drinking and the period of time before your life is filled and joyful and exciting without alcohol. And I want to talk about that in this episode. This is something that comes up all the time with the women I work with and the women I talk to who are in the process of building a life they love without alcohol. 
And I was inspired to record this right now because I am lucky enough in the Seattle area to have an amazing She Recovers sharing circle. And pre-quarantine, we used to meet not only in person to share stories, but also once a month for a brunch and sober book club with just the coolest women. It grows every month who have quit drinking. We drink coffee. We eat amazing food that everyone brings. We meet in my friend Ingrid's beautiful light-filled house with a view of the water. We hug and chat and read books and talk. And it is just a group that I love that brings me joy and keeps my life exciting and filled in sobriety. But we moved online. And the call I just got off of was a Zoom call. It was about the book, The Sober Lush, and the authors of the book, Amanda Iyer Ward and Jardine LeBaire, actually joined us. I met them for the first time when I interviewed them on my podcast, and they were kind enough to say, yeah, we'd love to come to your book club and talk about it. So they just did. And the conversation was not only about the book, but there were 17 women on the call, and we talked all about what we've discovered and what we do to make life fun and exciting and joy-filled in sobriety and not feeling bored even during this time of five months into quarantine and lockdown. So this is the perfect time to record this episode. And I wanted to start off with a quote. The quote is something I had on my vision board when I was quitting drinking and I still have it on now. It was something I looked at every day and it inspired me to keep going. And it says, you'll need coffee shops and sunsets and road trips. You'll need airplanes and passports and new songs and old songs. But more than anything else, you will need other people. And you will need to be that other person to someone else. A living, breathing, screaming invitation to believe better things. And that is a quote by Jamie Tworkowski. Now, this is really hard to see and imagine when you're still drinking or in early sobriety, when you're shaking and recovering from drinking. But believe me when I tell you that I realized that longer term sobriety was an exciting new adventure. Whether or not you realize it, drinking is the same old cycle. And it held me in a place where I was stuck and where my world got smaller and smaller. Once you stop drinking, your world becomes more open and you get to find out what life looks like and feels like without drinking. I often think that the word being in recovery is misused. And the reason is that when I was drinking, I was literally recovering Every single day of my life, I was recovering from a headache and a hangover and watery eyes and just trying to get through the day. Now that I've quit drinking, I am just living, just living. I am just going through life, not recovering, just waking up and seeing the sunshine or the rain. I'm taking care of my kids. I'm getting coffee. I'm reading books, I'm doing yard work, I'm doing good productive work. Some days are not very exciting and some days are joy filled and some days I'm moving forward on projects that get me really, really excited, but I'm not recovering anymore. I'm living. So I wanted to start with the beginning, which is when you are in your first 
15 days, 30 days, possibly even 45 days. And I want to ask you, if you're there, are you feeling bored in early sobriety? Because if you are, that's pretty normal. There is an in-between time, somewhere between no longer in your drinking life and not yet, which is your full life, the one you love without alcohol in it. And here's what you need to remember. The truth is that you might feel bored. What you're going through is normal. It happens to everyone, and that's okay. The truth is that not drinking right now is your entire job. So if all you're doing right now, if you're not being productive, if you're not going to parties, if you're taking a lot of naps and baths and reading books and need alone time, you are crushing this early sobriety thing. You need to know that even if you're feeling blah or flat or bored, what you're doing right now is really important, that it won't last forever and that it is not easy. It may feel like all you're doing is reading a book, watching TV, making tea, going to bed, but that's actually not what you're doing. You are doing hard emotional and physical work every single minute and every day. You are navigating your entire life without alcohol. You are getting up and getting dressed without a hangover. You are working and dealing with your boss and your coworkers without thinking about if you have enough wine at home at the end of the day. You're sidestepping offers for office happy hours or Zoom happy hours and looking away from a friend's post on social media about a date night with the big wine glass at the bar or pictures of the bottle of wine on their kitchen table or their deck when they're staying home. You're dealing with all the emotions that are coming up that you would push down so far for so long when you were drinking. You're dealing with kids and homework and bedtimes and late night emails and marriage without alcohol. Your relationships are strained, either because you're irritable, which is so normal, or because your spouse is adjusting to navigating you without drinking or because they're still drinking and that's triggering for you and that's hard. And you're figuring out if you want to engage with people, who you should talk to, whether you should go to the barbecue or a football party, what to do if non-alcoholic drinks aren't there or if you want to bring your own. And if you're going to drive your own car and what a sober treat might look like at the end of the night. You are doing big, big stuff, really important work. And who knows why, but after the initial white knuckling wears off, it can be a bit blah. If you dive into all the sober things after 45 days, after 50 days, you might feel like, you know what? You're over this sober stuff. You don't want to read and talk about it anymore. And that too is normal. You can read a novel that is not about sobriety. You can pick up a new project. You can dive into photography. And I'm going to talk about all those ideas later in this episode. But we are not used to being bored. And we usually drink at the first hint of being bored. If you have kids, you know that your 
kids always say, I'm bored, there's nothing to do. And it's usually after they've been watching the iPad for way too long and you took it away. And you say to them, there's a whole world outside. Go in the trampoline. Let's ride your bike. Why don't you read a book? Why don't you play with something? And they're like, no, that's boring. But you know what? And you're so frustrated because you're like, it's not boring. What you're doing right now is boring. I can't believe that you're just obsessed with this electronic device. And the minute I take it away, you are irritable and annoyed and frankly, a pain in the ass. And that's what it's like when we take away our wine, right? We're like, there's nothing to do if we're not drinking. There's nothing exciting there anymore. I'm whiny. I'm irritable. I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Nothing you suggest sounds good or as good as my wine. And we do. We drink because we're bored. That is how we're used to changing our mood. And part of the important work is to actually sit with feeling blah for a little while and to actually be forced to think about things other than drinking that might possibly amuse you, might bring you joy or occupy your time. You know, after you get through the days when you are so tired and you just need to not talk to people and feel like you have the flu, you can look around and see that activities and that people are hiding in plain sight. We almost have tunnel vision when we quit drinking. We think that everyone around us drinks, that every activity involves alcohol, because drinking has been our constant companion. It is what we watch TV with. It's what we watch movies with. It's what we sit outside on the deck with. In the evenings, we read books with it. We go on dates with it. We see friends with it. We have weekends away with it. It is literally our companion for everything. A lot of times more than even our best friend or our spouse or our kids. So yes, you will feel a void when you remove alcohol. Of course you will. And you need to get creative. You need to try new things. You need to figure out is the cheese and crackers sitting in your favorite chair and reading a book? Is that fun because you had a glass of wine next to you? Or is it just fun and fulfilling and it makes you happy without the wine? And you will never know that if you don't try and if you don't actually pay attention to the sensations that you have. You know, a class, a swim, or a movie might be nice and even nicer without alcohol because With the movie, at least you can stay up and remember the end and not fall asleep or pass out or whatever it is. Maybe breakfast with a friend would be nice or yoga. Now, I quit drinking in February and it was rainy Seattle winter. And I remember on Saturdays in March and April, my husband coached baseball and he was busy all the time with his high school baseball team. I had a two-year-old at the time. And I would take my kids and my two-year-old and wander around my favorite big, beautiful garden store. I'd look at all the gardening books, the plant tools, the strawberry and the blueberry and the tomato plants. They have lovely cafe and I'd have coffee and a sandwich. They had a really nice bookshop with books and cards and jewelry and cooking tools. And I would think about what else I could do with my afternoons and my evenings that didn't center around wine. 
And even now in quarantine, it's open. And I've wandered around there with my daughter. And it gave me what I call an anchor activity for the long days during the pandemic and the long days in early sobriety. If I go there at 11 a.m. or 2 p.m. and spend an hour, then I've done something. Then I've seen something. Then I'm more amused and happy to settle down at the end of the evening and not feel bored. I joined a running club and I did my first 10K in five years. And I know I never would have done that if I hadn't stopped drinking. That was something that wasn't on my radar when I was drinking every night and every activity centered around happy hour. I also got to listen to great music when I was jogging. Music that I hadn't heard in years. I listened to songs from college and from high school And it made me feel joy that I hadn't felt in a really long time. And even though my pace was different than other people in my running club, I got to say hi to them. I got to be around them. I got to stretch with them. And that also filled me up with joy and connection with people whose life didn't center around drinking. I found that other people who exercise, especially exercise early in the morning, they are not the people getting drunk every night. And that's good. These are the kind of people who are hiding in plain sight, who you've never noticed before, but who are smart and interesting and do activities that aren't centered around alcohol. There is a quiet time between drinking and your life after drinking. And that quiet time is normal. The days feel long and dull. You sleep a lot and you feel a little down. Your body And your mind and your emotions are adjusting to life without alcohol. But it will lift little by little and new interests and joy will come into the picture. Trust the process. Just stay with it during the lulls. You are becoming. You are becoming something more beautiful and something more interesting than you were when you were in the drinking cycle. You are on the right path. So grab a LaCroix and a good book. Sit in the sunshine, paint your nails, go for a walk, watch the sunset, get up early and watch the sunrise, eat some popcorn, call a friend, go for a bike ride, cuddle a kitten, borrow a puppy, go window shopping. You are doing just fine, better than fine. You are rocking this whole not drinking thing. Just keep going. And now I want to talk about life after early sobriety, after the lull, when you start to look around and try to imagine what your life is going to look like without alcohol. This is when it's time to dream. This is when it's time to look backwards to the things that gave you joy when you were 12 and when you were 14 and 16 and 18. The time before you started drinking and that was the center of your life. And it's time to look forward to what is hiding underneath what you've been doing, the dreams that you had that you've never gone after because you were so busy working and socializing and improving your home and taking care of your kids and commuting and going to sports practices. There is space for that now. I know you don't think there is, but there is. And there is money for it. If you look at the amount of money you spent drinking alcohol, it's amazing. If you look at the amount of time you spent drinking and you spent hungover or dragging your ass around, 
there is time, there is energy, and you are going to be amazed at how much you can achieve and how productive you can be and how much less time and energy and irritation it takes to deal with work and commuting and life when you are not drinking or dragging around. So I'm going to give you some ideas especially ones inspired by the Sober Book Club discussion I just had about the book, The Sober Lush, but also about the topic, about how to live a decadent, adventurous, soulful life, alcohol-free. And not only did Jardine Liber and Amanda Iyer Ward, the authors, contribute great ideas on this. And by the way, I did a podcast interview just with Amanda and Jardine about their book. And you can go back and listen to that if you're interested. But it was also the contributions and the ideas and the discussions about the challenges of not drinking and finding their joys with the other 15 women on this call. Women who I love and admire and are smart and courageous and real and dealing with life without the highs and lows of drinking or smoking or whatever your substance of choice is. So I remember when I quit drinking, my coach said to me, what is it that you love more than wine? What would you get up at five in the morning to do that isn't drinking? Not that anyone got up at five in the morning to drink. We were too tired from the night before. But honestly, I could not think of anything. I loved a lot of things. I enjoyed a lot of things, but more than wine, an activity that I enjoyed more than the fuzzy, buzzy feeling of drinking, even before that first sip, I couldn't think of anything. And you know what I had to do? I had to try. I had to give myself assignments of what I might enjoy. I had to go experience them and look around And slowly but surely, things began to pop up. Things that I remembered from ages ago, things that I had never experienced or done, dreams that I had that I didn't think were ever going to come true because I was so busy with work and kids and life and, by the way, drinking and hangovers. And a singular focus on alcohol as being incorporated with everything I did. So... There are other things that you can do. And in the beginning, it takes a little bit of work. I would say that your number one assignment after you get out of early sobriety is to find sources of joy and pleasure. It is to invest in yourself and not just in essential oils and bubble baths, which, by the way, I adore and long walks with podcasts, but also in things that are fun. Because those are the things that are going to keep your sobriety going. You need to follow the divine breadcrumbs of things that spark some joy in early sobriety. You need to follow joy and pleasure that exist without substances, creativity, and ideas. So some of my clients have done things. And right now, a lot of the things that they do are online classes or solo activities or connections that don't involve coffee shops and fancy uh, French restaurants for brunch. And maybe you can't go to the French restaurant for brunch, but you can get takeout and have a picnic in a beautiful park alone or with a group or with your family. 
drive your car to the mountains, which are only 45 minutes from Seattle, and look at the giant green trees and sit by the river. You can go to the waterfront or to another area that is pretty by your home and look around and take in the view and bring a chair and bring a book and bring a blanket if you want to and drink a lovely non-alcoholic drink or have a deep conversation with a friend that you haven't talked to since high school or college and actually ask about their lives and have time to listen in a way that you never did at a giant play date or at a giant barbecue. You can go to a lake and watch your kids splash around and actually get in the water and splash around with them. You can float in a tube down a river. You can take online painting classes. Some of my clients have done this and they absolutely love it. As sober treats, they've bought themselves watercolor paints or beautiful crayons. They've gotten the really nice heavy art paper. They sit on their front porch and they paint pictures and they learn. I personally, in early sobriety, took an online style class. It was called Style and Stylability, and it was from Dean Street Society. And it was a whole bunch of videos and prompts and notebooks about what style you like and who you want to be and what your confidence is and who you admire and not buying new clothes, but going into your closet and combining new things with some style guidelines and taking pictures of what you're wearing and posting it to a group and and trying one thing on three ways and getting rid of stuff. And that's a great activity in early sobriety. It gives you confidence. It gives you something to work with. And you're not spending money on a ton of new clothes. Now, I personally love Pinterest. And I don't know if you guys do too. But Pinterest for me is a great tool to learn and to dream. Um, I like gardening and had a big 2020 plot of land that was just weeds and nothing else. And I turned it into a raised garden bed with beautiful salt and pepper stone in between them. I posted incredible um, pictures on my Pinterest board about beautiful vegetable gardens and flower gardens. I went to the garden store and I bought the seeds and the plants. I ordered the cedar raised beds from Gardner's Supply Company. I planted dahlias and then took pictures of them when they grew and gave myself bouquets of fresh flowers. I planted cherry tomatoes and ate them right off the vine. I planted strawberries so that I could eat them and gather them with my daughter and take pictures. We have raspberries and I've made jam out of them. And I have to tell you, I am not a crafty person. Before sobriety, I killed literally every container gardener plant of anything that I'd ever grown. I literally killed basil and oregano, which, by the way, is very hard to do. But in sobriety, it was a source of joy. I love digging in the dirt. And again, it was something that I'd never done. And I had to learn and I had to look at. I also redecorated my bedroom. And I painted the walls because I wasn't just passing out there anymore and leaving my clothes on the floor. I bought a beautiful faux fur ivory blanket for the top of my bed, which was soft and decadent. 
I bought turquoise um, bedside lamps. I got an essential oil diffuser. I got really nice sheets and pillows. And again, this does not have to be expensive. You can get secondhand stuff and spray paint it. You can go to the arts and crafts store and pick out mason jars and put beautiful flowers in them. The point is to create a space that's a lovely retreat, but one that every place your eye rests brings you a sense of joy and peace and comfort. And surrounding yourself with beautiful things made me really happy. Not in early sobriety, but oh my God, pets and taking care of a pet is so joyful and wonderful to be able to cuddle them and to have a physical being that loves you and amuses you and that you have to play with. I got kittens when I was a year sober. They were little Siberian tabby brothers. When they came to us, they were two and a half pounds. It was something I wanted. It wasn't even something my kids wanted or my husband wanted, but I was like, I want this. And I love them so much. And in early sobriety and even now, just their little chubby little bodies running down the stairs to get breakfast in the morning is wonderful. They're brothers. And I love coming indoors and saying, hello, gentlemen. I mean, whatever it is, they make me happy. And I know so many people have adopted dogs or gotten puppies during the quarantine, but also in early sobriety. And just the joy that that brings you is wonderful. There are other things too. In the Sober Lush, they talk about picnics. They actually, on our book club, talked about giving themselves assignments to write the book, to explore what pleasure and joy and decadence looks like in sobriety, in addition to all their memories of early sobriety and life without alcohol and traveling to Rome and Mexico without drinking. But they would say, okay, this week is picnics. So let's do that. What can I do with a picnic to feel amazing? I have to say in sobriety, I do picnics in the orchard um, by my house, but you could do it anywhere with my husband and by myself. We lay out a blanket. I get my favorite cheese and crackers. I put music on my phone and I just lay there quietly enjoying life. Something I used to do in college, going to parks, but or around campus, but I never do anymore. I certainly never did unless there was a beer or a glass of wine in my hand. So that is something amazing to try. When I was in very early sobriety, I maybe 30 days in, 60 days in, I joined sort of a photo of the day contest and not contest, just activity where someone would post some obscure quote, like under my feet, or green, or my kitchen, or afternoon, or evening, or love. And people posted pictures and shared everything. I took pictures of the gravel under my feet at the bus stop with my turquoise shoes. I took pictures of a green plant that was just beautiful. I took pictures of my morning coffee in my kitchen. And I shared it, and I just put in quotes, green and wrote what it was. And like 20 other women did that too. It was amazing. We did a private Facebook group 
And it just gave me something to comment on, knowing there were other people out there in the world. And I actually created that in the beginning days of the quarantine, just for a group of women. I just wanted to remember the beauty and the joy. I got my bike tuned up. I hadn't ridden my bike in ages in my first two months of sobriety. I, as a sober treat, just got, you know, got the wheels inflated, got it greased up, got it all aligned. And I biked around and that was lovely. The fresh air is good for you. Feeling like you're riding around is good for you. I got a basket, which was super cute. So there is stuff around you that will bring you fun and joy and pleasure. Just observing people makes me smile. Observing kids and pets. I don't even have a dog. I used to walk in a dog park because seeing the little dogs and the golden retrievers and the labs jumping in the river, it just made me happy. And your job, once you stop drinking, is to look for what is bringing you joy. What are those divine breadcrumbs? And double down on that. Now, there were a bunch of other ideas that came up on the call that I wanted to share. People talked about taking a chocolate making class and getting a kit and doing that. I love vision boards. I always have, but they really, really helped me in early sobriety. And on your vision board, you can literally put pictures of things that you want to do or things that you're excited to do in your future. Even though we're not traveling right now, I rented a farmhouse two hours away from me that I'm just going to go to just for a change of pace. I'm going to sit on the front porch and rock. I'm going to make a picnic and go to the waterfront. I'm going to drink coffee and read good books in a house without my kids and without my chores. And I can't wait for that. And I pinned a picture of that farmhouse to my vision board to look at for an entire month. A year before I went to Greece, I pinned up pictures and maps of Greece. I pinned up places where I wanted to take photography. I pinned up ideas of things to do. Same with Amsterdam. Same with traveling to Alkmaar. I know we're not traveling now, but you still get to dream. And you get to dream of sober travel. And instead of pinning up the best places for a romantic dinner in Paris, which by the way, you can still go to, but also look at the walking tours, look at the photography tours, look at where to bike, look at the best brunch places, the best coffee shops. There is so much there to do that is not centered around alcohol. And again, it's hiding in plain sight. It is there for the taking. You just have never noticed it. It's important to think about what you're consuming on social media. Be deliberate at who you're looking at and what you're watching. This can be another way to inspire you for how full and exciting life is without alcohol, but also to not focus on everything that's going on in your life that you're not partaking in. I mean, literally stop following the winery that you've been following forever and start following someone who is talking about something else that you're interested in. Look at their boards that post everybody's morning view. Their board, I follow um, the best places in Europe where they just put pictures 
of beautiful things up all the time. Pay attention to women you admire. Ask yourself, do I want what they have? What lights them up? What do they do in their free time? What interests do they have that you admire or that you're even jealous of? What sparks your admiration, your joy? Start listening to them. Start emulating them. You have time and energy now. You are no longer stuck. You can do anything you want to do. It may take some time, but you have time and you only need to take the first step. If you take the first step towards something that inspires you, to something that interests you, it will lead you to another step and just follow that breadcrumb and maybe another one. The beautiful thing about sobriety is that you don't need to know where the path is going to lead. You really don't. When I was in early sobriety, I was very shaky and I went on a weekend trip where I would always drink in the past and I walked past a store window when we were about to jump on the ferry and it said, if you are brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello. And I took a picture of it and I keep it in front of me to this day. And that doesn't just apply to drinking, but look around for your new hello when you are leaving something behind that isn't serving you because it's there. It may take a little while, but you need faith and you need curiosity and you need to stay the course and you do need to try. It won't always fall in your lap and you actually need the space. You need the blah You need the quiet time between your drinking life and what is going to fill it up because that's how you uncover what your interests are in the same way that our kids need time between watching YouTube videos on the iPad for four hours until they look around and pick something else up that actually interests them. And suddenly you look over and they're doing something that you couldn't even imagine that they would do. It's because the thing that they were obsessed with was put down and put away. And it wasn't until then that they picked up a book or that they went outside, that they started digging in the dirt or kicking a soccer ball, that they started playing with their Barbies or anything else. They actually had to put that thing away that they were focused on, that they didn't want to do anything else but that because it gave them a hit and a distraction and it easily stopped them from being bored. But you don't need to do that 24-7 and it takes time and distance from that thing, like your bottle of wine, to allow yourself to look around and be open to other things. And if you can't think of what your interests are right away, start following someone else's passion. Take an interest in other people and what they love. My husband wants to drive cross-country with my son, going from minor league baseball games to minor league baseball games. I want to go with them now. In the past, I never would have wanted to. Give yourself assignments. If someone else loves hiking, ask them to take you on a hike, one that isn't too hard. But they can plan it. They can take you out. Ask to join people on a bike ride. Ask to go watch something that you would normally not go watch. Have someone else tell you what their passion is. 
and get interested. It doesn't have to be your thing, but it will distract you from boredom. It will open your eyes to what other people do, and it'll be good for you. Tarot readings. I love tarot readings. I think they're super interesting. And that's something to do in sobriety when you're not drinking. That might interest you. Um, I discovered tapping and other ways of relaxing myself that are really interesting. Another woman on my call said that she had found during quarantine a local farm that did vegetable deliveries and also the freshest eggs she's ever seen and buckets and buckets of local flowers that are lush and gorgeous and beautiful and a total treat. And she said that she never would have thought that she could afford this, that it was, you know, she should, she never would have thought that she could afford this. She should just go with her mask to the local grocery store but she can afford it because she's not drinking and she arranges the flowers and she puts them in front of her house for neighbors to pick up as a little dose of joy for other people or leaves them on their front stoops. She says that she enjoys arranging them and looking at them and smelling them. And when the vegetables show up, she suddenly has a ton of mushrooms and she has to figure out what to do with them or fruits that she had never discovered. And that too is an exercise in creativity. It isn't boring, it's interesting. And that is something that we need. Now, someone said, and I think it's so true, that the most important thing you can do when you're not drinking to avoid boredom and for emotional support is making connections. And I know it's hard as grown women It is difficult to put yourself out there. You feel like everyone already has friends and everyone has history and everyone's busy. I remember the first time I texted someone in sobriety just to say, hi, I'm at my son's baseball game. Just wanted to see how you're doing. And that ended up being one of my best friends in sobriety. But I know it's hard. But I'm going to tell you that there are tons of women out there who are also doing this quietly, who are also longing for connection and who are also looking to fill their lives up with something that doesn't involve drinking. And if you think they aren't like you, they are. There are women out there who party just like you, who have the same interests that you do, who used to go to the wine clubs who used to do the tastings, who used to host the giant parties and dinner parties. And they also are navigating life without alcohol. And they're fun and smart and interesting and adventurous. And they need you. And the only way you're going to find them is by putting yourself out there. Now, I did a whole episode with my sober bestie, Ingrid, where we talked about how to not be lonely and how to find friends in early sobriety So if you're interested in this, please go back. I couldn't imagine all the friends that I would meet who also don't drink, who are just the coolest women. And that is something that you don't realize you need. In that quote I read in the beginning, again, it says, and you will need other people, a living, breathing reminder of everything that's good in life. So This episode was about what to do if you're feeling bored in sobriety, what you can do if you feel flat 
if you feel meh, if you feel blah. And part of it is to trust the process. If you're in the beginning, yeah, everything you're doing is just navigating with life without alcohol. And you will take a lot of baths and go on a lot of walks and drink tea and go to bed early and take naps and need time alone. And then after that, there's a lull. There's a lull between working so hard just not to drink before you start to look around at everything that could bring you joy, that you could try again, that is hiding in plain sight. For me, I joined a 5.30 a.m. workout class three days a week. It sort of hit the, the trio of something to do early in the morning with people who don't drink a lot. Gave me a reason to go to bed early. Exercise and fresh air hit my endorphins. And frankly, after years of drinking, I was really out of shape. And I wanted to get more healthy while I was not drinking. So it hit everything I needed to do to keep me amused. It also made me tired, which got rid of some of my anxiety. It made me feel accomplished early in the morning. And if I did nothing else, I was like, okay, I did that today. So for a woman who loves to multitask and likes to check things off the list, I was like, I'm sitting around not drinking, but I've worked out four times this week, five times this week. That gave me checks on my checklist that I was doing something other than building up days with this time. And one last point I want to put out there. In drinking, we often let things happen to us. We drink so that our life will be more interesting and exciting. I used to drink because I never knew what would happen. I felt like anything could happen when I got rid of my inhibitions. And a lot of times, nothing happened. I freaking fell asleep early and don't remember the night. That is not terribly exciting. Or things that would happen that weren't positive. I couldn't drive home. I lost my phone. I shared someone else's secret that I shouldn't have shared. Now, sure, sometimes exciting things happen. But again, I was letting things happen to me, either because of the alcohol or because I would just surrender my time and my night to the alcohol, or to other people. Now that you're sober, you need to make things happen. But you get to decide what those things are. You get to pay attention to things that interest you. You get to pay attention to things that bring you joy. You get to direct what happens and suggest things. So that's both a responsibility and an invitation. And I hope you take it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it sparked some new interest. I hope you trust the process and release some of your fears about what life will like without alcohol. If you haven't read The Sober Lush by Amanda Ira Ward and Jardine LaBerre, go ahead and pick it up. Or someone said even listening to it on audiobook was even better because the stories are so rich and descriptive and also short, so you can listen to them in snippets, but just giving you ideas of what you can do and picking out an assignment that you want to try. Life without drinking is not smaller. It is not boring. I promise you it's not. It is big and beautiful and wonderful, and you now have time and energy to truly achieve your dreams. So I hope you go for it 
and get in touch with me. Tell me what you're doing. Inspire me with your stories or tell me you're bored so that I can tell you this will pass. You're going to be okay. It is worth it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty. Feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.